Rusty Quill presents. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. good to press the button myself. Okay, now, be careful. I'll be the one in the doghouse if I break anything or mess it up. What do you mean? Like, if I just disconnect the cables or... 
happened to drop the recorder. Jess, just come on, put it down. <laughs> Relax, Steve. I'm not going to break anything. I know, I know. I just, I don't really know how to put it back together if something happens. Well, I'm sure with your good looks and my charm, we'd make do. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so tell me what we're doing here. Okay, so remember how we were looking for a professor of the Tiny Terrors Exchange? You found someone? Here. Communal Ritualism in the Modern Age by Dr. Lance Rutland. Uh, see? There's a whole chapter on the Tiny Terrors Exchange, and he's local. Oh my, this is incredible! Right? So, like, we're gonna call and set up a meeting, right? I've already emailed him. Yes! D and Jess, the dynamic duo, saving the day! Uh, actually... Yeah? I was thinking... Cole and I could do this one. Oh, what? You and Cole? Yeah, I thought it would be a good way to bond. Oh, okay, I, yeah, that that's fine. Dee, please don't be sad. I I just want your friends to like me. I really want them to like me. Hi there. Sorry, you are? Oh, I'm cold. You were... I think you were expecting Jess and I today. Uh, she told me she set it all up. Right, oh, right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, come in, come in. Um, do you mind if we, uh, do you mind if we take a moment before we start recording? Oh, um, yeah. Sorry, of course. Oh, man. Sorry, I'm just... A little nervous. I wasn't really prepared to be leading the conversation. I was sort of expecting Jess to be here. Yeah, that's, that's all right. Okay, um, yeah. Okay, cool. So, I guess we'll just dive in. So, you know the Tiny Terrors Exchange, then? Yeah, intimately. And you've participated? Extensively and enthusiastically. So, it's safe to say you know a bit about its history, then, right? Like... Even the stuff people don't really want to talk about? Yeah, I, I suppose you could say I've plumbed its depths um, and found certain tr truths. Alright, alright. Um, and I apologize. I'm kind of having a hard time finding a way of wording this. Uh, but is there a history of people being, I don't know, murdered or stalked through the exchange? Um, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Well, I, I don't know, people being murdered or stalked through the exchange? I, I couldn't say. Wait, I thought you were an expert or a... Oh, I don't know. I, sounds kind of silly now, but a Tiny Terrors Exchange historian? A, a what now? Am I mistaken? 
Yeah, I think you've been misled. But you wrote about it. I, I did, uh, but it does sound like you haven't actually read what I wrote about it. Okay, well, I don't know. Like I said, Jess was supposed to be here. You know, the girl who originally contacted you? Yeah, no, it's perfectly understandable. This is... this is a little awkward, but... <clears throat> do you know why... do you know why I'm here, then? I mean, to hear what I'd have to offer, I would imagine. Right, right, yeah. Um, cool, cool, cool. Um, but what would that be exactly? Well, for starters... I did write a chapter on the Tiny Terrors Exchange in my book. Uh, my book's entitled uh, Communal Ritualism in the Modern Age. Basically, it's a book about using the global reach of technology to enact certain rituals by which one can achieve their aims and goals using magic and the occult. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can tell you're not exactly a believer then. Well, it's not real, so no. You're sure about that? I would say I'm... Yeah, I'd say I'm pretty certain. So you have ample proof that it's not real? <laughs> well, I don't think the burden of proof lies on the non-believer, does it? You're, no, you're right. But it's not really a conversation that should be weighed down by such binary thinking. Uh, it's a lot more about personal experience, but I think we're getting a little bit off track. Okay, right. To get back on track, then. How does the Tiny Terrors Exchange fit into a book about... Um, what was it again? Communal ritualism? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? What we have is a bunch of people uh, scattered across the world, all dedicating energy and time into this pastime asynchronously, but over the span of a number of years. If you were to look at it that way, it kind of seems a lot like a grand ritual, don't you think? Okay, okay. People are reading and writing stories. That's not really the same as sacrificing a goat to Beelzebub and, uh, I don't know, drawing a pentagram, though. Uh, well, I, I think... I think what we have here is a fundamental misunderstanding as to what magic and the occult actually is and what its function is and, and where it comes from. Okay, so then what exactly is magic? Well, I think it's a better, a better place to start here would be what magic isn't. I think that's the, the thing that, that, that people usually end up getting stuck on. What magic isn't is uh, it, isn't, it isn't a force. It's not like gravity or electricity. You often hear people talking about the uh, the flow of magic or the you know magic being directed at somebody. It's not. It's not what magic is. Magic is not, and at least in its traditional definition, is not a uh, a force uh, of any kind. It's it's also not a religion. It's got uh, very little to do with religion. In fact, uh, though there are some notable crossovers with with uh, with belief systems. If if I wanted you to explain it like I was five, what what would you say? Yeah, I've, I've heard magic referred to as a technology in the past by other scholars and uh, and researchers into the subject, and that's not uh, an untrue definition. Um, it, it's called the occult sciences for a reason. It's because that there are uh, definite methods and and uh, protocols that, that, that need to be hit in order for these things to quote-unquote work. And these are things that you can see cross-culturally and, you know, over the large expanses of time. So magic is essentially, to, to distill it down, if you want like a distilled definition of what magic actually is, it is um, a method by which you, you contact non-visible beings in order to enact physical change in the material world. 
Magic, then, is a way to contact non-physical beings. Those beings being referred to as, you know, whatever you want to call them, spirits, angels, demons, gods in times past. These are things that, that, that people have referred to them as, but that is essentially what magic is, is a, is a method of, of contacting those things and constraining them to do things that you want. And it's not a religion. It's not a religion. Okay, uh, not exactly Harry Potter. You're making the sound more like a recipe. Yes, exactly that. And just to confirm, it's not a religion. No, it's not. There's to break it down. There are there are three branches to what you might call human belief over the centuries. The first and probably most popular of those is uh, religion. Religion's generally always been very public and, and is concerned with devotion to a deity or deities um, in order to try and curry favor for them so that you live a more uh, peaceful life. It's only in recent years that we've seen God or gods as, as in some way benevolent. They were always quite petty and spiteful um in previous pantheons the second is spirituality spirituality is concerned entirely with with internal change things like yoga and meditation and things like that that those those are purely spirituality and then the final strain on the end is uh is is magic magic which has nearly always been secretive uh it's gone through countless prohibitions and uh, has been very dangerous to practice for the a large part of human history. And magic is concerned entirely uh, with just making changes in the physical world. It's, it's surprisingly, when you actually drill it down, it's surprisingly uh, methodical and surprisingly pragmatic. So for everyone listening, you, Dr. Lance Rutland, have a PhD. Yes. And you are actively teaching and an employed professor. Yes. So, uh, as a natural-born skeptic and academic, you you believe in all this? Uh, I do, yeah, yeah. And it's worked for you? It has, on a number of occasions, yeah. I did not, um, I did not go into the practice of magic as a believer at all. But there's, you know, if I were, if I were doing a, a, a PhD in chemistry, um, I would at some point have to pick up a test tube. You know, these things are, are essential to, to your understanding of, you know, your life's work. And I, I don't think that you can, I mean, plenty of academics do. I just, I, I think it's a, um, it would have been a bit of a waste of time to not at least give it a go. People still perform magic now? Like someone out there is practicing magic right this minute? Absolutely. Of course. I mean, magic has been a ubiquitous part of the the human experience for time immemorial it has always been somewhat of a uh, fragmented and pluralistic affair in that unlike religion uh, there is no papacy there is no uh, hierarchical order uh, some people have attempted to change that by by making you know magical orders and groups and sects that, that practice magic together um, they usually end up not really having uh, much fruit to their labors for other reasons which we can get into later if you like but you know it, it really is only the post-industrial western world that has this kind of um, dismissal and skepticism and and uh, materialism that's architected into our, our cultural zeitgeist if you go anywhere else in the world it is it is perfectly understood that there are things that live beyond the realms of 
our um, perception and that there are ways of contacting those things and that those those things can um, both help and hinder your life. How does it work? How do you mean? Well, I mean, if I wanted to perform magic, how, uh, how would I do that? Well, luckily for us, there's... Um, there's a, quite a, uh, a large uh, archive of material that can tell you exactly how to do that. There are, there are diaries and manuscripts uh, left over from uh, magicians of, of past ages all the way from you know, the 12th century and, and, and earlier as well. Some of the earliest manuscripts we have date back to, to Hellenistic Egypt. But these, these techniques have remained the same for close to 2,000 years. And they, they, they will tell you exactly how to do that. And there is a very clear step-by-step -step formula. Uh, the first thing that one must do if one, one wanted to, to, to contact a spirit, uh, to summon a, a demon or an angel or, or whatever nomenclature you want to use to, to, to categorize these creatures, the first part of that is preparation. And the preparation of the operator or the, the, the magician is, is insanely important and difficult as well. The the preparation is both of you as a person, but also of the, the tools that you have to use. Magic requires very specific tools to be made in very, very specific ways. So generally, there is a period of uh, abstinence um, leading up to uh, a ritual, a period of abstinence, uh, a period of uh, very specific dietary requirements, fasting, usually not eating meat. And then, I mean, because a lot of these these manuscripts were written in a Christian context, it requires confession and prayers leading up to the day of the actual operation itself. And whilst doing so, you have to you have to create a number of things. There's, there's very specific clothing that needs to be worn. There's incenses that need to be burned. There's things that need to be engraved and consecrated. And and then once you've done all of those things, you are you are ready to actually step into a circle. It's very specific. Uh, days and times that you can you can call certain spirits on they seem to seem to exist within for want of a better term office hours that they have that they are they are more likely to appear um readily if you you call them at the right time but as far as the actual procedure goes of the actual conjuring of a of a demon or an angel it's laid out into to fairly basic steps uh the first is is to uh invoke the spirit the invocation of the spirit the second is to uh, constrain them, command them, bind them, and then release them. And those steps are essentially followed uh, in, in nigh on every magical practice. The constraining and the binding of the spirit is, is basically a way of keeping them in place and making sure that they do what you want them to do without causing you undue harm because they are not uh, particularly loving of humans and and like anybody wouldn't don't imagine that they particularly like being dragged out of wherever they exist into uh, some dingy basement that you're calling them into and told that they are to go and bring you money or an attractive girlfriend although these are certainly things that they can help you with so that's what the constraining and the binding is um and then obviously releasing them is inc incredibly important because uh you don't you don't want something like that lingering around and you know i'm speaking both there from like um precedent from the the, the uh, manuscript evidence that we have but also from personal experience as well it's not just complete and verified personal gnosis there this is something that's you know, verifiable at least from a historical context too 
So if you're saying this is like a recipe for bread, or like doing your homework. It's, uh, yeah, exactly. Formulaic, I think, is the, the, the best way of putting it. Who figured it out? Who figured it out? I, I don't know. I don't know. that. Again, it does seem that the practice of magic reaches back far further than recorded history, at least. The first solid documentation that we as academics have, um, as scholars of, of magic and the occult have on, on this subject, uh, come from Hellenistic Egypt, which is the, the, the latter part of, of Egyptian history, around the same time that the New Testament was being written. Uh, these these particular manuscripts were found in well the vast majority of them were found in a uh, a tomb in Thebes and that was the the tomb of a practicing magician you know so these things were tried and tested by 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 the Greeks and by these these magicians and these these were the f these are the first first examples we have of of the working notes of a practicing working magician in in the ancient world now these techniques um, were carried on into the, the, the Byzantine Empire, which is where they were largely Christianizing in Constantinople. And we, uh, we got from that uh, a book called the, uh, the Hygromantia, or the Hygromantia, in, which in Greek it directly translates to water divination. The interesting thing about that is that there isn't anything to do with water divination in, in, in the book. It's an, another very well-known scholar of this has theorized that it's, um, uh, it's, it's probably because there's a long history of binding demons to water, that these particular spirits don't like to be in water, and there's, there's precedent to that in other books. But... The Hygromantia uh, is almost solely concerned with, uh, with the, the creation of planetary talismans uh, to get certain effects uh, and the summoning and commanding of demons. So magic comes down to the practice or art of summoning. Yes, correct. Yeah. Well, what do people typically summon? Commonly, I mean, at least in, in the uh, medieval and renaissance magic, uh, commonly, it's it's angels and demons that are that are some of what what one would call angels and demons. Obviously, we're we're using a, a Christian context to talk about these things, which you know, in the larger scheme of things, may or may not be accurate. But the 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 main thing is angels and demons. I would say it leans more heavily on the demon side than the angel side generally. Please fast forward the tape to the end of this side. Then turn the tape over, and you're ready to play the other side. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 